your hometown building partner and by Armstrong keeping you connected. Like I've been saying all show, I didn't learn anything about Ben Roethlisberger in the Lions game. Ben hit a deep ball to Deontay Johnson in Twitter was ablaze. See? Ben's arm is plenty strong. Yeah, the ball traveled 50 yards in the air. But Ben's problem last season was not arm strength. It was feel, baby. He could throw it far enough. It was just wild. The throw to Deontay was a nice completion, but even Ben admitted after the game that he needed to put the ball on more of a line. Now, this is noteworthy. Because Drew Brees had not thrown a ball that long in four seasons. But Ben's arm strength wasn't the issue. Jameis Winston threw a pass on Monday that traveled 53 yards in the air. People went nuts. Oh my God. The New Orleans offense, it's going to explode. They can finally attack deep down the field. Again, Drew Brees in his advanced age couldn't complete those passes because the ball simply couldn't go that far. He had a pop gun arm. At the end of his career. Ben's issue ain't that. Ben's issue wasn't that. It's accuracy on the deep ball. His toss to Deontay still left something to be desired in that area. Now Roethlisberger threw two touchdown passes, both to Fryermuth. They were pretty. They were laser beams. But Ben had good zip on the ball in the intermediate range last year. Guys, Ben was good for nine games last year. Then he was bad the rest of the way. I was expecting him to play well in the preseason game. One, the Lions suck. Two, Ben's fresh. In Ben's first nine games last season, completion percentage is 67, 22 tutties, four interceptions, rating of 103. That's MVP caliber stuff, or at least on the periphery of the conversation. And I was caping for him. Because everyone doubted him before the year, and he was playing really well. And the Steelers were undefeated. But in Ben's last six games, when the Steelers went down the old toilet, 64% completion percentage, 3% lower than where it was the first nine games, 22 touchdowns, or excuse me, 11 touchdowns, cut in half, six interceptions, that's more in fewer games, and a rating of 83.2. Just for a comparison's sake, Mason Rudolph's career quarterback rating is 83. In Ben's final six games last year, it was 83. I want to hear from you. Does Roethlisberger's performance give you renewed optimism about him or about the Steelers' season? 412-333-9939. For me, the answer is no. If I put on my Steelers' colored glasses, I can convince myself that things will be better. Ben didn't throw it a thousand times this offseason to test his injured elbow. He quit porn, so that's going to be easy on his elbow as well. Ben will get a bye this year. He didn't get one last year. Ben shouldn't have to play three games in 12 days. Ben will have a rejuvenated running game, thus taking the pressure off of him. I can go that optimistic route. I can put on my Jerome Bettis jersey and wave my terrible towel. And I can tell you that all those things are going to lead to Ben having a better year. And I actually do believe some of those things. But the performance from Saturday night doesn't change my opinion on anything. He looked fresh just like he did at the beginning of last season. He looked spry just like in the first 
nine games of 2020. I think that Roethlisberger and the Steelers will be good in the beginning stretches of this season. Their schedule is easier. Their schedule down the stretch, brutal. So I've always thought that Ben was going to play well at the beginning and fade down the stretch. My question is whether or not Roethlisberger not starts well. But can he hold up over the course of the season at age 39? Nothing he does in the preseason, nothing he even does in the first couple of months of the regular season can help answer that question, I don't think. We just have to wait and see. 412-333-9939. Does Ben's preseason performance give you any additional confidence? Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I did learn a couple of things in the preseason game. Fryermuth going to play a lot, and he's going to be good. I argued with a supposedly in-the-know Steelers beat writer last year that Chase Claypool would play a lot in his rookie season, and the writer told me I was wrong. And I referenced all the other Steelers rookie-wide receivers that had played before. Martavis Bryant, six games in, one of them. Antonio Brown played in his rookie season and had a decent role. Emmanuel Sanders, two dogs, one bone. The list goes on. But the writer said, nah, Chase Claypool ain't going to play. He got 13 tutties between the regular season and the postseason. Not the writer, but Chase Claypool. Now, I was told by the same writer this year that Fryermuth won't play a ton. He will. He's good. Good players tend to make it known that they're good. Then they play. That's exactly what will happen with Fryermuth, who, by the way, never had a drop in the red zone at Penn State. The other thing that I learned is that Roethlisberger will spend time under center this season. Last year, he only did so on 21% of his snaps. In this lone preseason game, he did so 37% of the time. His throw on the 43-yard pass Najee Harris, that was from under center. Play action fake, baby. Whoa! The Steelers' offense has been vanilla this preseason. It wasn't overly complex in Ben's start, but 30% of the time when things are vanilla means to me that we'll see a lot more of that this season and more play action. Let's go to Jeff in Pittsburgh. Next up, Crowley in for Madden. What's up, Jeff? Hey, hi, Adam. Thanks for taking my call. Um, it's in regards to that uh, long pass to um, Deontay Johnson. Yes. Uh, I was thinking uh, when I watched that, with a good defense, do you think that could have been picked? <laughs> Maybe. I, when it uh, happened live, and I was sitting there with Matt Williamson, the former scout of the Browns, uh, we were doing the post-game show on DVE, I said, boy, the safety could not have done worse there, and Matt agreed. And while I trust my opinion, I also agree with Williamson's opinion that uh, a better play could have been made on that ball, certainly. But, hey, it goes down as a completion. The issue for Ben... Jeff, to me, last year, wasn't that he could throw it long enough. He could. He threw it deep a bunch of times, particularly down the right side. The problem is he didn't complete a bunch of them because there were a ton of overthrows and a ton of sailing the ball out of bounds. That's not an arm strength issue to me. That's a feel issue to me. And that throw to Deontay Johnson did nothing to make me think anything differently about his feel. No, that was uh, like, like last year. That was more of an accuracy issue and a touch, whatever. Uh, but that one, it kind of left me like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I do. Any, anybody good could have 
uh, knock that down. The pass is the Friarmouth. Friarmouth. <laughs> Sorry. Get out of here, Jeff. Uh, you're drunk. Let's go to Jim in the car. What's up, Jim? Hey, Adam. Uh, I called you last week. I was just wondering if you were of the same opinion when you were uh, wanted to treat uh, Big Ben like Humpty Dumpty and not put him in the game. Do you still feel the same way, or were you glad they put him in for a few? I'm not glad that they put him in. I've already told you I don't think I learned anything, and I didn't want him to play before the game. So if I didn't learn anything, why would I be happy that he was in there? Well, you know, he obviously watched the game and said right. he did pretty good. I sure. Mean, he did He, he did like play well. Let a, professional, a lot of professional football player like sit on the sideline like he's, you know, just special or something. I think he is special. Really He's a Hall of Famer, and their season goes down the tubes if he doesn't play. Thanks for the call. I love when dudes try to play gotcha. You know, and I got a couple of tweets like this during the game. How you feel now? You said you wanted Roethlisberger to sit, and now he's carving up the Detroit Lions. Don't you feel like a dumbass, Crowley? No, I don't. The Steelers are fortunate that Ben Roethlisberger didn't get hurt in the game, and it was for minimal gain. The only thing that was gained in the game is that Ben and Matt Canada got to communicate in stadium over the headset for three series. That was the only thing to take away. And if you think that's a big deal, okay, you can think it's a big deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Ben playing well was outstanding. Rather him play well than play poorly. But like I've been saying for the better part of an hour and ten minutes here, I didn't learn anything because I knew Ben would play well if he played. And if I ain't learning something, and I didn't want him to play to begin with, why should my opinion change? 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Got this from Pip on that Twitter.com. All of our tweets are sponsored by Labatt Blue Light Seltzer. He says an improved O-line running game, less drops, being another year removed from surgery, and better play calling will help bend down the stretch, will help any fatigue down the stretch. I mean, how many what-ifs do you have to tie together? Improved O-line. We don't know if that's going to happen. Improved running game. I think that's going to happen, but we're not sure. Less drops. Definitely can't say that's a given. Being another year removed from surgery, that's true. And better play calling. I do think play calling is going to be better because it can't be worse. They're not going to be as predictable. They're going to try to change up the scheme, keep teams off balance. But all those things hitting... Give you optimism that Ben's going to stay healthy. Well, that's an awful lot of things that need to hit. Got this tweet from the mad Pensburian, sponsored by Labatt Blue Light Seltzer. You and Polanco both suck music time. Might as well say that people insulting me is sponsored by Labatt Blue Light Seltzer. Do you think, or has your opinion changed? On Ben Roethlisberger after seeing Saturday's game. 412-333-9939. Crowley, Informat, and 105.9. Need money? Ace Sporting Goods in Washington buys guns. Top dollars paid. From the Century 3 Chevrolet Traffic Center. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Got a tweet from Datso brought to us by Labatt Blue Light Seltzer.
He said, did Chris Muller from the B team hack your account? Because I said, I don't care what Ben looked like fresh in a game against Detroit in August. Can he hold up in December? Because Saturday didn't tell me anything about that. People just want to hear that everything's great in Steelers land and that the team's going to be awesome and a Super Bowl contender. And the second you give them something that's not that, that's not, yay, Steelers, here we go, Steelers, wave the terrible towel, double yoy, they don't like it. Here's the thing. I do think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs. I said so last week. I just don't think the AFC is that good. And I expect Ben to finish stronger than he did last year. But a game in August isn't going to tell me anything about that. What the frig does August have to do with December? Of course Ben's fresher now. I don't hate my job as much whenever I leave vacation as I do when I'm going into vacation. You come back, you're refreshed, you get a little bit of a tan, maybe you're sweating out some of the booze that you were drinking over the last week. You're refreshed. Ben is refreshed after a long off-season. Of course he looks good in August. How's he going to feel 10 games in at 39? Or is he just going to be a rusted bolt falling off of a machine? I don't know the answer to that right now. But Saturday sure as hell didn't tell me anything about it. If you think you learned something about Ben Roethlisberger on Saturday, tell me what you learned. 412-333-9939. Now to delve into delicate territory. Stephon Tuitt has not been practicing with the Steelers in 11-on-11 situations. In fact, it's been similar to what's been going on with T.J. Watt. And now Mike Tomlin said today in his pre-game press conference that they don't know when Stefan Tuitt's going to be back. And this is concerning. But you got to keep this in mind whenever you're listening to pontificators out there, people who are interested in filling airtime and column inches. None of us know what's going on inside the head of Stefan Tuitt. This is a huge loss for the Steelers if he's not around. And if he's not 100%, if he's not where he was last year, likewise. Big loss for the team. It changes the defense fundamentally. However, I think we got to respect what's going on between that guy's ears. It's not a contract thing. From what I've been told, even though we don't know for sure, it's not an injury thing. This is a mental thing. And a lot of times what happens is people get behind microphones, guys like Skip Bayless, and because they can bloviate about whatever the hell they want to bloviate about, they think they can also talk about mental illness, and they can treat it the same way as an ankle injury. They can treat it the same way as an elbow injury. These things aren't the same. Mental illness is real and if Stefan Tuitt is battling some sort of depression because of the loss of his brother he was coping in whatever way he was coping we got to give that guy time doesn't mean his loss won't get felt but we got to give that guy time it can't be oh Stefan Tuitt versus the team it can't be it's got to be let's get that guy right because football ain't as important as real life it's just not Stefan Tuitt's making a lot of money The Steelers need him to contribute. I get that. 
I'm sure they also know it's a delicate situation and one where they can't be pressing the dude. Let him get back on his own time if this is a mental illness thing. Skip Bayless ripped Dak Prescott when Prescott had the balls to talk about his own depression issues, right? And Skip Bayless said he's not a team leader because he's mentally soft. What happened is people get behind microphones and they write online or in newspapers in 1980 that guys should be back because XYZ, this injury, that injury. And so they think, oh, I can just talk about mental illness, and I can say Stephon Tewitt is weak, or I can say Dak Prescott is weak, and the Steelers need him, so he owes it to that. He doesn't owe it to anybody. Be nice to have him back. Big loss if he ain't around. Big loss if he's not the guy he was before. But Stephon Tewitt doesn't owe it to anybody. You can't rush mental health. You can't. That has to happen on his own timetable. 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Let's go to Mike in the North Hills. Hello, Mike. Hi, I'm good to hear you. Thanks. Hey, I got a, a thought why um, Ben should play in August. For one, he's playing with a line that he never played with before. And if you don't get him in, in behind the center on preseason games, what's going to happen in the regular season? He's going to drop the ball. He's not going to the time. He's going to be off offside. The legal procedure. A whole rack of problems. Well, thanks he for the call. Thanks for the call, Mike. Here's the deal. Uh, none of those things happened with Ben in the first preseason game. First time he lined up with those guys in a stadium, 45,000 people there at Heinz Field, none of those communication issues happened, didn't have any kind of problems. Which leads me to believe that if he'd have just played game one, wouldn't have had those kind of problems either. The other thing is, you say the offensive line might be bad, Precisely why you do not want Ben Roethlisberger behind it in a preseason game that means absolutely nothing. Let's go to Dino in Raleigh, North Carolina. Or is it Dino? It doesn't matter. Hello, Dinosaur Man. Uh, yeah, at this point in Ben's career, I mean, don't you think he makes that call? And if he makes that call, there must be some value in him playing. Or He, he doesn't make do that call because he wanted to play in the second preseason game. And thanks, Dino Dino. Uh also, athletes don't always know what's best for themselves. So a lot of times you got to save athletes from themselves. It's why when dudes bust their heads, you got athletic trainers, other teammates stealing their helmets so they don't go back into the game. Athletes don't know what's best for themselves all the time. You don't. It's like a dude who is a couple beers deep who's like, ah, I'm going to go drive that car because he thinks he's fine, but he's not really fine. Athletes have no idea. Athletes aren't in charge. Coaches are in charge. Mike Tomlin said, hey, Ben, you got to play. Now, maybe Ben, or excuse me, maybe Tomlin knows better than I do. Probably does. Doesn't mean I can't disagree. All yins out there disagree with Mike Tomlin all the time. Up next, Dave Damashek, host of Minus 3. The Extra Point in Dave's of Thunder podcast will be with us. Crowley, in for Madden, 105.9. This report is sponsored by Mattress Firm. Partly cloudy tonight. Can't rule out scattered thunderstorms for our Thursday. Partly cloudy skies, stray showering. The family affair. The X at 105.9. Crowley in for Madden. Get after me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Join now. 
by Dave Damashek, the host of the Minus Three Extra Points and Dave's of Thunder podcast. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, man. Oh, sure. Anytime, fella. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, not as good as Ben Roethlisberger was on Saturday. What do you make of that? I don't listen. I follow you on social media because I'm a 21st century kind of guy. Right. And I see I see your cynicism. That's fine. I agree with you largely. There is nothing to be learned. Stop. I try to file this one away. Everybody within the sound of my voice. File this one away for August 2022 because this one's just about wrapped up. What you see is a Civil War reenactment. It only looks like real pro football. It's fake. It's a lie for your eyes. There's nothing to be learned by it with, I'll put one asterisk down for you, Crowley. I'll put, I, I, I did like what I saw from Roethlisberger in terms of just his ability to move around a little yes. bit. Yes. That, that's been a question. That, to me, was the answer that I got out of his performance. If on the throw where he scrambled around and put it up to Ebron, if he hadn't been able to do that, now I'm starting to worry. But because he did do that, I have faith that Roethlisberger can have a nice start to the year. My question is just going to be, what's he going to look like in December? Because last year, that's when things really started to fall apart for him. What is your prognostication hat telling you about the Steelers this season? Do you see them as a playoff team in the AFC? I mean, it'll be tight because the AFC is loaded. If people haven't been paying attention or if they checked out for the last six months to attend to Pirates baseball or otherwise, I, I can't imagine anybody nah, actually would have done happen. that. Don't worry about that. Um, but uh, maybe maybe some of the Penguin stuff, that was, a, that was sad what happened there. I Sorry I even mentioned that. Anyhow, um, I think that it's it's good. they're going to be right around the edge of the playoffs there. I, I The thing that I can't, I'm a pretty cynical guy about plenty of things, but you really have to get pessimistic to make a case that, the, that, that these Steelers are going to go eight and nine or worse. Even in a loaded AFC, what about them? The, there are things that we know and there and we know are are very good things that are mediocre and are very bad the Steelers offensive line is a mystery it's still a question mark no one knows what that's going to be and that is what everybody points to as the reason the Steelers are going um to plummet this year but of course for all that cynicism that is rightly placed on the way the season wound up last year ending with the most embarrassing loss in Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl era history um, it, it, this, it, it can't be worse than that and than what the offensive line was by the end of last year. And again, they finished the year 12 and four. So Tomlin, uh, Roethlisberger, no losing seasons between them. I'm not sure exactly where this uh, doom and gloom attitude is coming from. I'm totally with you. I was saying last week that I think the Steelers are going to be a playoff team this year, albeit I do think that they'll have to squeak in. Dave Damashek joining me, Adam Crowley here, filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Before I ask you some around the NFL stuff, Dave, uh, I did want to get your take on Dwayne Haskins. He is going to be the savior of the Steelers franchise, no? (laughs) So I've been told. Um Listen, as anybody who was uh, paying attention, obviously Mason Rudolph, the way the Pittsburgh Steelers operate, um, Mason Rudolph is going to be the first up should seven have to sit down for one reason or another. And, and by the way, 
if it came to that, I would rather, I don't know that he's going to be on the roster by, uh, by week one, but I'd rather have Josh Dobbs go in to play short-term relief than, than Dwayne Haskins. Wow. If, if we're looking at a game, I mean, I don't know about you know, Roethlisberger, whatever he's done for the next six weeks. I don't know exactly where my head goes, but as a guy, you know, Roethlisberger gets hurt week three, second quarter. I'd rather see Josh Dobbs run out there than Dwayne Haskins at this point. Just because he gives a different look, knows the offense better, presumably. Yeah, I, I, I de- yeah, I think he's, I think he's a curveball to try and handle. If you've been prepping for seven all week, then uh, someone like Dobbs running out there gives you a completely different look and requires a little bit of adjustment from the defense. But man, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like. I, 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 my hot take as far as the AFC North goes this year, I think that the the Ravens are going to disappoint some people. I, su- I suspect that the Steelers finish a little ahead of the Ravens. Wow. It, um, and I, I kind of also like the pressure, the curse of supposed to, the team that's supposed to do it. Everyone's assuming they're destined to do big things this year. Baker Mayfield's Browns. I, I, I like the equation for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into the year right now, that the team that they're looking up at presumably is a team QB by Baker Mayfield playing for a contract, all the pressure, everybody, what's, what's not the love? Best exec, front, best front office, coach of the year, uh, glorious pass catchers, deepest roster in the NFL, according to many, and the first overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago. What could possibly go wrong, Baker? It's all for you. Well, let me ask you this. In advance. Dave, do you think it's harder to get good or stay good? Because I think it's harder to be perennially good, and I think the Browns are about to try to figure that out, and it's not an easy thing to do. That's, well, that's right. It's, you, people can summon examples like, how do you explain Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl or Joe Flacco winning the Super Bowl? Even those teams did it as wild cards. People kind of forget about, uh, about that part of it. But even then, you sure. You can have one magical run. Your quarterback can get a hot hand and, and uh, do magical things, and, and it will keep you warm as a fan base for the next quarter century. But to be a perennial playoff participant, or contender at least, you have to have one of the six or ten best quarterbacks in the league. You can pay a guy like he's a high-class quarterback, but that doesn't take him. that doesn't change him being a middle-class guy. That's what Baker Mayfield is, who happens to have – the best situation of anybody in the league with the run game and the mm-hmm. offensive line and the pass catchers he has, that doesn't mean that when you pay him $40-plus plus million a year and, they, and thereby diminishes the rest of the roster, what you can do with it, isn't going to be fully revealed as a middle-class guy. So they better cash in this year. And you know what? Same goes for the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar Jackson's also going to get that $40-plus million a year contract. Dave Damashek joining me, Adam Crowley, filling in for Mark Madden here. On 105.9 The X, there have been two preseason games played by every team but the Steelers and the Cowboys. Each of those teams obviously have played three. What better time to get Dave Damashek's thoughts on which rookie quarterback is going to have the best NFL career and which rookie quarterback is going to have the worst NFL career? Do it now, Dave. Man, this is tough. It's not fair. But I love the game, though. I think that, uh, man, we overthought the Trevor Lawrence thing. Isn't that just the obvious? I, mean, I hate to go chalk. I want to give you a hot take here. I think Justin Fields is going to be the rookie of the year. Um, first of all, that doesn't mean he has the best career overall. 
I, you know, I think that between, I think Kyle Shanahan, that, you know, whether or not he is the, the real deal or not is yet to be determined. But given the guys who he has turned into, into high end performers, I think that, that they were willing to do what they, all the lying, the, the disgraceful lying pre draft from Shanahan and Lynch and all of that. <laughs> I think Trey Lance. It has the most upside. The fact that those guys were willing to do what they did to get him indicates to me a guy who understands how to make quarter, get the most out of a quarterback and to say, let's get that guy. That's the missing piece for us. Let's go with Trey Lance as the best career. Which landing spot is better for a quarterback? Uh, is it Joe Burrow landing with the Bengals? And I realize he's got talent around him now, especially on that offensive side of the football or is it Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville? Because those are both two organizations. If if I were a quarterback coming out, I wouldn't want either of them to have the first overall pick, and yet here they are. Well, we know that um, we know that in Cincy that they don't love spend and lose. That no. they, you know, just because you know there's a salary cap and everything else, but they do their best. Uh, Mike Brown on down, they do their best to not spend money. So that's not great necessarily. Um, for Joe Burrow, uh, I, I guess I'll go with Jacksonville, but you know, I, I guess we have the, or the Urban Meyer burnout thing is, uh, is real. I, it might be, he might, I wouldn't be stunned if he was only there for two or three seasons, but that should be enough to get, uh, Trevor Lawrence off to a good start. I like the pieces they have, even without ATN, um, in the short term. Better division to be in if you're, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you have the Texans in your division, so that should be two wins right there. I don't know about the Colts. So just looking at it, as they say, it's a year-to-year league is what they say, uh, Crowley. So I'm going to say Jacksonville is the better spot for now. I know that you said that Justin Fields, you think, is going to win the Rookie of the Year. I just don't understand the logic in not starting that guy week number one. Like whenever I got hired here, they didn't say, "Okay, you have to sit on Mark Madden's lap and just watch him do radio shows for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden you're going to get an opportunity to do your own radio shows. You've got to learn." No, they hire you, they put you on the air, and it's uh, an AM station, so then they get rid of you. But that's how it went for me in any other business. Would you, would I, you have taken the job though? Would you have ta- if they would have said, "Here's the deal: you have to sit on Mark Madden's lap for lap for two years"? Would you take the job? And would Mark Madden sign off on that uh, on that premise of you physically sitting in his lap while he tried to do the show every day? No, I think it would be much like Aaron Rodgers, and he would be standing up in front of a 105.9 The X backdrop saying how bad this organization is in a uh, really bizarre twist. <laughs> I quit. I No, I don't. I'm coming back to Spike Crowley, and only to Spike Crowley. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. I do think, though, I, I, people are, are, are talking about the week one matchup as the explanation for it. Um, they play the Rams, Aaron Donald in the face of the kid and Jalen Ramsey, you know, arguably the best, uh, the best cover corner in the league and all of that. Maybe it makes sense to throw Andy Dalton to the Wolves just for that first week. I also think psychologically, I'm not wired like a professional athlete. Almost every one of those guys has an outsized uh, level of self-confidence um, owed to their physical attributes primarily, which I don't possess. But um, I, I feel like psychologically, for me at least, I'd rather if I were a kid, I wouldn't want the pressure of like, hey, 
day one, you're the starter, go get him. And if not, we might have to bench you. That would be debilitating emotionally to, to me. I think I'd rather be like, well, the vet flopped. I guess we got to go with you, kid. Take a run at it. I, yeah. Justin Herbert, I know it's a very specific example to point to, but it worked out for Justin Herbert a year ago, maybe because he didn't even know what was happening until it was too late. He's like, wait, Tyrod Taylor, wait, who stabbed him in the heart? The doctor? Yeah, you got to go in there, kid. Like, wait, but the game's starting right now. Like, yep, get in there. It, maybe it's better to not be aware, to be fully lucid when they call your number, as opposed to sitting for the next two, three weeks if you're Justin Fields and being like, oh, man, I got so much pressure on me. I better be the difference for this franchise and this fan base and otherwise. Let Andy Dalton take all that heat for the next two weeks. And then week two, week four, somewhere around there, then you put the kid in. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the that's one of the better arguments I've heard about it. I mean, because you start thinking about what happened last year to Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, then he gets out, and then they put Tua back in, and that just can't be good for a young man's confidence. Uh, Dave, appreciate you taking the time as always, man. Always enjoy talking to you. Anytime, pal. Always enjoy hearing you and seeing you on social media and otherwise. Keep up the uh, marvelous work, Pally. You are the man. Thank you a lot. That is Dave Damashek. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and by eighty and by Armstrong, keeping you connected. Dave Damashek, host of Minus 3 Extra Points and Dave's of Thunder podcast. Uh, used to have Dave on frequently when I did the ESPN Pittsburgh show, and one time he was telling me a story, and I thought that he was ending the segment, so I said thank you a lot instead of thank you very much, and, well, that right there was an ode to that. But then while I was looking for the outro on Damashek to tell you what he's up to, I read the sponsor. So I am a moron. Up next, I love to pile on the Pirates. I'll actually take their side on something. Crowley in for Madden. Again, I'm a moron. 105.9. This is Brian Musburger's VSIN Action Update on iHeartMedia Pittsburgh. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. The Pirates have won four and Asher and Ass. The X at 105.9. When the cages go up, when the bullrooms come out, when the tower goes up, when the war games start, that it's going to be cutting time. And I'm betting on woo, the bad guys. Woo. I never talk pirates, so I'll keep it brief. The Polanco contract was not a mistake despite the outcome. The Chris Archer trade is a mistake that small market, cheap owner teams can't make. You lose two quality major league players and a really good prospect for a guy who doesn't get you into the playoffs. He doesn't help the club. That can't happen. A five-year contract with two club options for a 24-year-old player entering his prime? That's what small market teams with cheap-ass owners need to do. The Pirates, by getting Polanco to agree to that contract, were able to gobble him up through a few years of what were supposed to be his free agent seasons. They could have had him through age 31. It was a good move at the time. Sometimes those moves work, sometimes they don't. The Bucks signed Andrew McCutcheon to a $51.5 million deal. Shortly thereafter, Adam Jones signed an $85 million deal. The Pirates got the better player locked up for $30 million less. The gamble paid off for the Pirates. Not so much for Kutch, 
because the dude won the league MVP, but it paid off for the Pirates. Now, obviously, Polanco never wound up turning into what they thought he was going to be. In fact, the guy has sucked. That's Polanco's fault as well as the Pirates' fault. It's a bad organization. They screwed up his shoulder rehab. But Polanco needs to wear that, too. He had hot spurts, never was able to put in the consistency. His adventures on the base paths and in the outfield are funny, if not sad. But the dude is 6'5", built like a brick poop house. The Pirates were right to take that shot. And for those of you, rightfully so, who say that the Pirates always trade their best players and that the guys that you like are never here for long, well, deals like this are meant to ensure that they are here during their primes. But like Polanco, so many times during his Bucks career, swing and a miss. 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. More on Ben Roethlisberger and game number one of his preseason coming up in just a couple of minutes at the top of the hour. But I am absolutely fascinated with the baffling decision of Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, going with Andy Dalton. Over Justin Fields. Justin Fields was one of the top quarterback prospects for three or four years now. Coming out of high school, whenever he transferred from Georgia, he was always going to be a high pick in the draft. You know he's going to be the guy. Andy Dalton was the guy in Cincinnati when he was surrounded by maybe the best roster in football. You know what Andy Dalton is. And what he is, is a guy that's not going to elevate a team to the playoffs. Justin Fields, there's a question mark in terms of what his consistency is going to look like. But if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to make a dent, if you want to be special, play special, don't play ordinary. Andy Dalton's ordinary. This idea that they don't want to play him because the Los Angeles Rams, they got Jalen Ramsey, and they got the best defensive player of all time in Aaron Donald, is so wuss crap to me. It's just, it's such a lame talking point. So if you sit Justin Fields against the Rams, but then say, yeah, you know what, we'll play him week two against Cincinnati, are you going to sit him week three against Cleveland? When you're playing Miles Garrett? How about whenever you play the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 8? Going to sit in there? Steelers have a pretty doggone good pass rush. So do the San Francisco 49ers. So do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just destroyed Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You're going to play Justin Fields then? But you're not going to play him Week 1? I think it's a wuss move not to go with this guy. And I think that NFL coaches are some of the most conservative people on the entire planet. They are just so risk Averse. Sack up. Put the guy in that gives you the shot, even though you don't know exactly what he's going to give you week in and week out. And find out whether or not you get the next franchise guy. You draft these guys because you believe in them. And then you go with Andy Dalton. You know what he is. Average. Be special. Don't be average. In 30 seconds, I'll tell you what I didn't learn in preseason game number three that everyone else seems to think they learned. Crowley, in for Madden, 105.9. Abby on the X. I am really blonde sometimes. That was a missed opportunity. Damn it. Tomorrow morning from 6 to 10 on 